0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people, and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 57 called, He Revives the Heart of the controlled Isaiah 57
1: is what you want tonight. Isaiah 57. So if you're new with us, we've been working our way through the book of Isaiah. And uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we've been seeing what God has to say to us through the book of Isaiah. And we've come all the way now to chapter 57. There are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, so we're kind of coming into that home stretch. Some people are saying amen, um, but... I know a lot of you have just fallen in love with the book of Isaiah. And I also know that you've seen so many New Testament references to the book of Isaiah. Maybe ones that you didn't realize were there before. Of course, the focal point of the book of Isaiah is chapter 53. Because there we have the introduction, um, and it's one of four servant songs to the servant of Yahweh. And he is the Messiah. And in that majestic chapter of chapter 53, Jesus is put on display 700 years before he was ever born, and we get some detail about what he would do, how he would be crushed for our iniquities, how he would bear our sorrows and our griefs, how the Lord would lay upon him the iniquity of us all. And then what followed Isaiah 53 is response chapters. A worldwide invitation goes out in Isaiah 55, 6, and 7. And God says to the wicked, turn from your way, call upon me while I'm near, while I can be found, and the door will be opened up to you. Isaiah 55 begins by telling us that what we when we come to the Lord, we don't have to buy our way in. The price has already been paid. It's free. All we have to do is enter in by faith and turn from our sins. And then as we looked at Isaiah 56 two weeks ago, we realized that God was saying, though, when you turn from those sins, if salvation is going to be real, there's going to be fruit in keeping with repentance. There's going to be some way to measure the conversion on the inside by what happens on the outside. Now, we've been quick to point out that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, Good works do not save us, but they do testify to a true salvation. Good works are the fruit that flow from the root of grace, saving grace and faith in Jesus Christ. There is going to be some evidence that you know the Lord in your life. Now you can have seasons where you have a dry patch, you can have ups and downs, but in the end, there's going to be some fruit that remains and it's fruit in keeping with repentance. As God uh, addresses these issues through Isaiah, he ends by addressing the leadership in Israel because Israel was known as God's people. Jerusalem was God's city. So how could the people of God, the apple of his eye, miss it? And after all, how could the leadership of such a special people miss it? And God lays this right at the doorstep of the leaders. And he says these words. This is the end of Isaiah 56, 9. All you beasts of the field, God is calling in now the beasts. All you beasts in the forest come to eat. His, God's watchmen are blind. All of them know Nothing. All of them are dumb dogs. That speaks of mutinous, not intellectual stupidity. They are unable notice to bark. They don't warn the people. They are dreamers. When they lie down in their bed, they love to slumber and dream. And the dogs, this is another thing about the leaders, they are greedy. They are not satisfied. And they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have no discernment. They have all, notice all of them, turned to their own way. Each one to his unjust gain, to the last one. Come, they say, this is their mantra, despite the fact that the beasts are coming in verse nine. They've been assembled. God is bringing judgment through Babylon. They say, the leadership says, let us get wine. Let us drink heavily of strong drink. And tomorrow will be like today, only more so. They're living in uh, what we might call leadership denial. They cannot see the signs of the times. They cannot read what's really going on. And that is because they are blind. They are in leadership for the wrong reasons. It has corrupted them. They are not warning the people properly. And God lays the first responsibility at the doorstep of leaders. Now we talked about in several recent messages the responsibility of the watchman. If you're put on the wall, your call on the wall is to what? It is to warn the people if there's a coming danger. That is your job. If you warn them and they do not flee, then their blood is on their own heads. But if you don't warn them, if you become like that mute dog, you don't bark when the intruder's coming, this is the imagery, then their blood... This is radical, is on your hands. In Acts twenty twenty six, Paul picks up the imagery from Ezekiel 3 and says this very thing to the Ephesian elders. So this is a New Testament concept. He said, therefore, I am innocent of the blood of, remember, All men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel or purpose of God. And then Paul goes on to talk about how he warned them night and day for a period of three years, warned them about false teachers, and gave them a charge that they are to do the same. And that is the call of the watchman. That is the call. The modern face of it is a pastor. A pastor is a watchman on the wall. And our job is to make sure the the sheep are not only equipped, but to make sure that they are uh, spared from wolves in sheep's clothing. And that's why oftentimes you will hear me say very straightforward things from this pulpit, because I don't want you to be in any way manipulated or ripped off uh, by those who are false prophets or uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, we we get a palace view, if you will, of the blindness of the leadership, and now we're gonna get kind of a ground-level view because the people are not off the hook. The responsibility of leadership is heavy, but the people have a responsibility as well. And for those of us who listen to certain leaders, we listen to teachers, our job is to have discernment. Our job is not to just throw, throw money at ministries that we may know have red flags, and also, we have to be discerning when it comes to national leaders. Now, a lot of people are struggling with, you know, the idea of how do I vote in this election? And I said this two weeks ago, I'll say it tonight. Find the candidate that is as close to biblical principles as you can get and vote for them. Because if you don't vote, then don't complain. If you sit there on the sidelines and you don't cast a vote, to try to at least bring change to this nation. You live in a democratic society and you can weigh the issues. There's plenty of information available to all of us to know where candidates stand on issues that are important to God, Um, all the way from the lowest uh, issue that you can think of to the highest one, from social issues to abortion, from things that have to do with uh, the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of life, the view of Israel. These are all things that should be on your radar screen to see how your leaders measure up to God's word. Your ultimate objective standard is God's word, not anything else, not my opinion, not somebody else's opinion on some uh, television show. It is the word of God that becomes the standard of measure for everything. Now keep in mind that when you vote in terms of national elections, you're not voting for a pastor, right? It would be nice if we, I suppose, if we had a pastor in the White House, but that's not what we're going to get, right? You're voting for a leader of a country. So you have to keep that in mind when you're trying to understand how to discern um, through these difficult issues. Now in 57-1, uh, the implication is clear, and I, and I showed this to you as we ended last time, that there were righteous people speaking out against the corrupt leadership of Israel. Notice it says in one the righteous man perishes and no man takes it to heart. And devout men, the combination of Hebrew words includes the word hesed, which speaks of the unfailing love of God, but here it's the unfailing love of devout men. Men, you could put it this way, of unfailing love are taken away while no one understands For the righteous man is taken away, notice, from evil. Now we'll talk about that in a moment, but the first thing I want you to see is that though there were many corrupt leaders in Israel, there were righteous men and they were few and far between and they were calling the nation out. They were saying to the the leaders of the nation, you can't behave that way. That's not the way we worship here. That's not what we do here. And the implication, and you can read, you know, if you want to study commentaries on this, at least reading between the lines is that some of these men apparently were disappearing. They would speak out against corruption and they were disappearing from the landscape. And the further implication is that nobody cared about it. Nobody was really pursuing to inquire, what happened to that guy? He was just off the radar screen and nobody seemed to care about it. And these were righteous men. Notice men who were men of devoutness and unfailing love. Jesus said, men, people will know that you are my disciples because of your love one for another. You see, what drove righteous men to speak out against evil was not some holy rampage that they decided to take up one day. Look, I got better things to do, and I'm not into shaking bushes just to shake bushes. But I will tell you this. When I see something evil and something that hurts the heart of my God, then it is is incumbent upon me to do what? To say something. These were men of unfailing love. They were devout men. And in their generation, they were concerned about the same things you're concerned about, children and grandchildren, and what's gonna happen to our nation What's going to happen to the city that I love, the people that I love? That's why they were concerned. These were real issues for their day. And they stood up and they said, you know what? I'm going to be counted. And I may risk even my own life. They were loyal worshipers of Yahweh, one writer says. These men were characterized by the love of God, which then caused them to do what they did. And the cry comes out. The righteous man is perishing
0: and nobody seems to care. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael has an invitation for you.
1: If you're looking for a fellowship to participate in and you're anywhere within driving distance of the Inland Empire, I pastor a church along with other pastors. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, And we do two Sunday morning services each Sunday, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We happen to be moving through the book of Philippians at the current moment. Hey, plan on joining us this weekend. We'd love to have you. I'd love to meet you. I'll meet you right there at the donuts. Maybe we'll split a maple bar. (laughs) And hey, remember, if you can't join us, if you're not within the Inland Empire, then find a good, healthy Bible teaching church and go and serve the Lord because he's worthy. And when we're part of the body, an active part of the body, man, it makes a big difference in our lives and the lives of others. So make sure you're plugged in to fellowship this weekend. God bless you. Learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, when you visit walkintruth.com
0: or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. That I love. That's why they
1: were concerned. These were real issues for their day. And they stood up and they said, you know what? I'm going to be counted. And I may risk even my own life. They were loyal worshipers Of Yahweh, one writer says, these men were characterized by the love of God, which then caused them to do what they did. And the cry comes out. The righteous man is perishing, and nobody seems to care. For the righteous man, look at the end of verse one, is taken away. If you have um, the NIV, it says, he is to be spared from evil, or the King James says, the evil to come. Here's the cool thing. Here's the flip side of it. You may kill a righteous man. Jesus said don't fear him who kills the body and after that he has no power over you, right? But what God does in his divine purposes is he might allow that person to be taken away from the earth to spare him from what? Look at the end of the the verse. To spare him from evil or to take him away from evil or to take him away from the evil to come. Can you think of some Bible characters where this happened? Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In the days of Noah, Noah was obviously vexed by what he saw. He was a preacher of righteousness. He built the boat, apparently, for 120 years. He went through a lot of stuff, but God saved him on the ark. Lot was spared from Sodom and Gomorrah, but here the issue is death. And in the case of Enoch, he was translated, or he's a picture of the rapture of the church, And the one who is spared in this way, look at verse two, he enters into what? Peace. They rest in their beds, in context, these devout men, each one who walked in his upright way. If you have an NIV, it says, those who walk uprightly, verse two, enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. And so I don't know, I haven't done the homework on it, but I don't know if this is where rest and peace, you know, came from. But the truth of the matter is if you belong to Jesus Christ, you will enter into rest when you die. The very thing that we're so fearful about is the very thing that in this verse says we might be spared from further evil. Now, none of us are looking for a quick exit plan that I know but here's the point. The good news of the scripture is simply this. God has another way of dealing with things, and these people enter into the rest of the Lord. They will be spared from further evil, and this is the idea of the verse. But come here, now it transfers to the, the people of the day. You sons of a sorceress, I bet you've never called somebody that before. You son of a sorceress, (laughs) Offspring of an adulterer, but that is a biblical thing. So if you knew someone who was actually a son of a sorcerer, I suppose you could say that. Offspring of an adulterer and a prostitute. Now it's going to come to the people. And the people of Israel have gotten in trouble with what? What's their main problem been all through the book of Isaiah? Idols, And what were some of the things that were done around the worship of these idols? One thing was sorcery. The sorcerer is one who allows a spirit, a supernatural spirit, to overtake her, to become a medium by which the spirit may give direction or speak. And God said, when you enter into the land that I'm going to give you, you are not to learn the detestable practices of those people. You are not to go into uh, spiritism or sorcery or witchcraft. That stuff is off limits. And here the uh, Hebrew word is onan. And it means in this context, a sorceress is one who acts covertly, who practices magic. And notice, not only is this one a son of a sorceress, but also an offspring of an adulterer and a prostitute. And when we've looked at spiritual applications of those words, we realize that there's a combination of sorcery, which is witchcraft or mediumship, combined with the idea of spiritual prostitution or cheating on God. God called Israel his bride. There was a marriage relationship between the two. And when Israel Cheated with foreign gods. You know what they did? They committed spiritual prostitution and adultery. They left the covenant. They left the covenant that they had promised that they would do. We'll keep all those words. We promise. And they were warned over and over again and they did the very thing that God warned them not to do. They got involved with these false gods and goddesses and with that came this whole life of debauchery. In the New Testament, when you look at the idea of sorcery, it's the Greek word pharmakia, from which we get our English word what? Pharmacy. Pharmacy. And a lot of the ancient practices involved drug use or some sort of uh, altered state of consciousness where you would open yourself up to these so-called spirits. And people were messing with this stuff, and it was combined with religious worship So oftentimes as they worship these gods and goddesses, they would engage in very real adultery and prostitution. And they would get involved in these things that open themselves up to all kinds of things. And yes, brothers and sisters, there's nothing new under the sun because there's different expressions of it, but it's all over the place today. Uh, You're gonna see in a moment that there's gonna be mention of sexual sin Uh, These are all the things that were going on in the land of Israel. And when confronted with these things, notice what it says Against whom do you jest? It seems like when they were confronted, verse 4, they joked about it. Against whom do you open wide your mouth and, notice, stick out your tongue? Are you not children of rebellion, offspring of deceit? If you have an NIV or ESV, it says, Who are you mocking? It appears that the message of the Lord came to these people and God said, stop your detestable practices. Don't sow to that. Don't do that anymore. And they mocked God. And they mocked the messengers of God and they said, oh yeah, right, and stuck out their tongues and said, you gotta be joking. Have you ever heard that before? You gotta be kidding me, Christian. What do you mean that's wrong? What do you mean I shouldn't be doing that? You see, and these are all doorways. And those of you who have been um, involved in these lifestyles, you know they become a doorway by which the devil can get a foothold in your life. And when they were confronted with it, well, they just laughed it off. You are those, verse five, who inflame yourselves among the oaks. Oaks is a general word for a big tree here under every luxuriant tree, and of course the trees were connected with their pagan worship, who slaughter the children in the ravines under the clefts of the crags.
0: You've been listening to He Revives the Heart of the Contrite on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 57. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. And just so you know, we have free apologetic events from time to time, and they're called 633, and that's based on Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, professionals in their fields, to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issue of racism, Roe v. Wade, miracles, and how we as Christians can talk about those issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app and on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael before we go.
1: A lot of you who are in the Christian community have been praying for revival for a long time. I'm one of them. You know, by God's grace, I've been walking with him since the late 1980s. And that's a good amount of time. And uh, I've seen little pockets of revival, but I long to see a revival, indeed a great awakening happen, not just in America, but that's where my heart is, but really all around the world. And the good news is that the church is exploding in places like China and the Middle East. Uh, You're not hearing a lot of those stories, but there's incredible stories of growth and miracles in those places. Would to God, O oh Lord, let it happen here. Let us see a powerful move of the Holy Spirit here. Revive our hearts. You say, what's the key? The key is in Isaiah 57. The Lord will move powerfully. He will uh, come near. He will do a mighty work in the heart of the contrite. Contrition is the key to revival, at least one of the keys. What does that mean? It means brokenness, humility. It means, oh Lord, we need you. Would you work in our land again? I know many of you have been crying out for years. Let's continue to pray and not lose heart. Well, the rest of the teaching in Isaiah 57 is now available to you on our podcast app. Just search for Walk in Truth on any of your favorite podcast apps. You might listen to iHeart. You might have Spotify, whatever it may be. Uh, search Walk in Truth. You'll be able to listen to the remainder of the content of Isaiah 57 plus new content from Walk in Truth called A Step Closer, where we've dealt with the resurrection in some depth. Uh, that will bolster your faith. We've dealt with the Roe v. Wade leak decision. Group discussions, uh, many soads we're calling them, and they are powerful, and I know they will benefit your life. Hey, if you have a topic that you would like for us to consider for a future podcast on A, a Step Closer, a ministry of Walk in Truth, would you email us today at contact at walkintruth.com? That's contact At walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael Lance. So glad you're with us. God bless you. We'll see you right here, Lord willing,
0: tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. How long have you been listening? Could you help us pay for some airtime on this station? Help us continue in this ministry. A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. If you're blessed by this ministry and believe others can be too, please visit walkintruth.com now to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And remember, if you'd like to hear the rest of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 57 called He Revives the Heart of the Contrite, you'll find the entire message on the free Living Truth app, or you can follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 58 called The Kind of Fasting God Wants. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth where it's our goal to equip you with God's truth to all people.